Uh, good morning, everyone. We are so happy that you are here with us. You know, uh, Dan mentioned it earlier um, that it really was such a great event last night. Uh, my wife and I, obviously, as our family, is our first time going. And so uh, for those of you that were here, I want to um, just say that uh, if you were here at the end and you heard um, we ended up winning this like girls basket, like a gift basket that was put together. And so if you were here last night and your ears are still ringing from my daughter screaming about how excited they were, I apologize. I was telling Steph because she was outside paying for it. And I'm like, I like started getting like all red. I'm like, honey, but they loved it. Uh, it was a blast. And so it took them a while to fall back asleep last night after all the excitement, but that's, that was worth it. But it was a great, great event. And so if, uh, if we've not met yet, if you're new here or we have an opportunity to meet, uh, my name is JP, I'm the senior pastor here, and I would love to get to know you a little bit outside on the patio. I would love to have you go and fill out an info card and allow us to get to know you and your story a little bit better. Um, and so what I wanna do is just for visitors, or maybe you've been gone for a couple of weeks, I wanna do a quick reset, uh, about two minute reset of where we've been in this series and then where we're going today. So we started off in the very beginning um, of this Changing Neighborhood series, and the whole idea for this was this started out of me and my family uh, changing neighborhoods, moving from Upland, California to Poway, California uh, for this job and to be able to kind of change everything about our lives and, and being able to recognize that the first week uh, we weren't, really wanted to hit on this idea that what if it was more than changing neighborhoods because we're moving our addresses, but what if we're truly changing our neighborhoods because we're addressing how God wants to move? And we're seeing how God wants to move inside of our community, inside of our city, inside of our workplace, inside of our schools, inside of our neighborhoods. And so that was the idea behind this series. And so we started the first week looking at Jeremiah. How in Jeremiah 29, God had told Jeremiah to write a letter to the people who were in exile in Babylon and saying, hey, don't ostracize yourself. Don't separate yourself. Don't isolate yourself, but go into the middle of the city and to work hard so that the city will prosper, so your neighborhood will prosper. And by prosper, it doesn't purely mean this idea of this physical or material wealth, but this idea of prosperity is closely linked to this idea of shalom, of peace. And a peace, not an absence of conflict, but a recognition of the presence of God and the peace that comes when we experience that. So this idea the very first week was this idea of taking action by getting involved into your neighborhood, into your city, into your uh, community. Then the next week we went in and we talked about this idea of, of changing your neighborhood through compassion. And so we looked at the story of the feeding of the 5,000 men, not including women and children, and the idea that this, you know, many people like the disciples, they, they cared, they had compassion, but they said, Lord, these people are hungry, go send them away so they can get food. Or we have this, so we may have this compassion, but we may say, but that's actually somebody else's responsibility or somebody else's job. But then we contrast that with this little boy who has his lunch and says, all I have is a small act of compassion because I feel for the people, but a small act of compassion in the hands of Jesus can have a big impact. And so Jesus took that bread and took those, that fish and he took it and he blessed it and he broke it and he multiplied it. And so through the act of compassion of one boy, thousands were fed. Then last week, we looked at this idea of, of changing neighborhoods through serving. And so we specifically looked at the call of Jeremiah, who we had looked at in the first week, and we talked about how he had certain insecurities. He didn't feel like he was good enough. He didn't feel like he was ready. But when the call of God comes upon our lives, we need to obey. We need to follow. We need to trust. We need to come alongside and, and know that we can change our neighborhoods. And there are lives that can be changed in our San Diego County neighborhood because of people in this room, people at our church, 
recognizing that we've been called to serve and following that calling wherever it may lead because we recognize that we may not know the whole path, but when we are with God, there's nothing we cannot do. And so today, today after kind of walking through that, today we're going to look at changing our neighborhoods through walking with those people in our lives who are in need. Walking, changing neighborhoods through walking with those who are in need. And so before we dive into God's word, I would ask that you would take a moment to pray with me uh, that God would stir our hearts, open up our eyes and ears to what he has for us. So will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that you are here, that you are with us. God, we thank you that every person in this room is loved by you and, and is wonderful because you make wonderful works and we are some of those. God, we pray that in this time that I would decrease, that you would increase, that you would speak in an incredible way to us, as we, that you would open our eyes, ears, and hearts to who it is that is in need, and you would open our eyes, ears, and hearts in the ways in which we are in need and how we can both walk with people in need and how we can allow others to walk with us. So Jesus, we pray that you would move. We love you. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So uh, when I first got here, I mentioned how uh, Inception was a movie that I really enjoyed. Um, another trilogy of movies that I really enjoyed is Lord of the Rings. Anyone Lord of the Rings fans here? Excellent. We can be friends. Um, we had these days at our previous church where uh, we would take a day off and a few of us would start early in the morning and we would watch all three extended edition Lord of the Ring trilogy movies. And it was one of those days where you felt like you didn't move from one couch, so you felt like you hadn't done anything all day. But the flip side is you felt like you'd done a lot because you went to Mordor and back. And so you felt like, oh yeah, I've, this is a successful day. Um, but it would be this day where we would watch the whole trilogy. And one of the characters from the trilogy that I've really uh, come to identify with and really love is Samwise Gamgee. If you don't know the story, um, Sam is, is Frodo's close friend that he was a hobbit with Frodo and they ended up when Frodo decided to was called to go do this uh, bring the one ring and to destroy it Sam came with him and he had this moment where he's like if I take one more step I'm already further than I've ever been in my life but he still goes forth boldly and walks with Frodo and when Frodo tries to leave and do it on his own Sam's like I'm coming with you to the point where he almost drowns because he's so intense on wanting to walk with Frodo and so it comes to the very end, and, and I would say spoiler alert, but the movies have been out for 15 years and the books have been out for decades, so I don't feel that bad. But he would, it would have this moment where they're at, the, the very, they're at Mordor, they're out Mount Doom, and they're at the place where they just need to walk into the, into the mount and to cast the ring into the fire, and the, the power of the one ring would be destroyed. But Frodo is just spent. One of my favorite quotations from the actual book is that he says that, Frodo says that he feels like butter spread out over too much toast. <laughs> this idea of just being so thin, so spent, so uh, unable to move in that uttermost point of need. And so Sam looks at him and he says, you know, Frodo, I can't carry the ring for you, but I can carry you picks him up on a fireman carry, and he walks him in to Mount Doom, and the rest, as they say, is history. But it's that moment in which we've seen people in need, or we've been in need, and we ask for that help, and we see, someone says to us, I, I can't carry your burden, but I can carry you. See, uh, I want to share a story with you. About 14 years ago, I um, had the opportunity when I was going to UC San Diego, during the summer I went to uh, Yosemite with a group of us and we decided to hike Half Dome. Anyone been to Yosemite here? 
Excellent, it's beautiful, beautiful. So this is a group of us, uh, it's not the whole group, but uh, this is a group of us that went. Um, I'm the one in the black shirt with kind of like the fuzzier version of my hair now. Um, and yes, we zoomed in. Um, and so uh, if you can tell there, I'm wearing uh, white athletic shorts because that's what you do when you hike half dome. Anyways, um, so we ended up going there together and it was a group of us and it was one of those things where when you're on a group hike, you know, there's times where you know, you're ready to go, but it's times where it can be really hard because you know, there might be someone that's, that's lagging behind a little bit. And so you want to encourage them. You want to come alongside them and say, hey, we can do this. And it's, it's hard because you, know, you kind of have a goal. You have a timing. You want to make it work, but you also need to walk with those who are a little bit slower. And it's especially hard when the person that is holding people back is you. And so I was the slowest one. Um, and so, you know, we would take breaks and uh, we would just kind of relax. And they're really gracious to kind of walk with me in that time and to, to help me to um, be okay with that and, and uh, make it through eventually. Now, the next photo I want to share with you is when I was at the base of Half Dome itself. So if you've not been there before, um, I wanted that to look like I had a halo. That's why I took the picture just like that. Um, and also, in addition to the white shorts, you'll notice that I'm wearing uh, white tennis shoes that are low tops. Again, what was I doing? Um, but we ended up hiking. If you look over my shoulder, there, my right shoulder on, on the left side of the screen, uh, you'll see these ropes that are um, with, with slots in between them. This is how you get to the top of Half Dome. As crazy as it might seem, you get to the base of it, and there are these two ropes on either side, and then there's these wooden planks in between, and you just go in the middle, and you just hold on, and you traverse the final little bit all the way to the crest until you get to the very top of it. Now, the problem was at this point, I was super tired and exhausted. Um, I'd been holding us back, and so I uh, ended up needing to, you could go on the outside of this. So you could go to the point where you can go in between, but you go, I don't think there's anyone in the photo that's doing it right now, but you can go to the side and just kind of scoot on the side of it and go faster. So that's what I did, because I was like, I don't know if I have the energy, because people were just going so slow up that journey that I went around the side, and then I want to share this next picture with you, that this is when I got to the top, and I don't know if you've ever had a moment I think many of us have, in which we recognize how small we are and how big God is. That this is at the top of Half Dome and I'm in the corner just looking over the Yosemite Valley and it's an experience I would not have had if I didn't have people walking with me when I was exhausted and ready to give up. And so this morning, I want us to think about, have you ever had someone walk with you in a time of need? You know, maybe we start to, to think back and maybe it was a season in which your finances were, were in ruin and you needed to have a financial advisor with expertise to come alongside you and help you navigate through the wreckage and navigate through that debt. Maybe for some of you, it was your marriage was crumbling for lack of communication and lack of uh, clear expectations. And so you needed a counselor to come in and to help you learn communication, to learn these processes in order to make your marriage healthier. Maybe for some of you, it's your kids were really struggling and, and you didn't know what else to do, but maybe you had uh, a children's director or a children's volunteer, or maybe you've had a youth leader or a youth pastor that came alongside your kids in their time of need and walk with them in the midst of that. Maybe for some of you, it's because you're experiencing a, a really strong illness and an ailment, and it's one of those situations in which you just feel like you cannot walk, and you had hopefully a church family surround you with bringing meals, to just show up at the hospital to be there, because as much as I've been a, a pastor going on hospital visits, I always think, okay, I need to make sure I say the right thing at the right time, and I hope I don't mess it up, and 99% of the time, it's, they just want to know you're there. 
They want to know that someone is walking with them in their time of need. And so we can think about that when we could go back to our moments when we experience someone walking with us in our time of need. And then there's the other side of that coin. We flip that coin and we think about when have we been people that have walked along those in need as well? When have you been that person who, was, who has walked with someone in need and how did that impact that person? How did you help them? But also how did that impact you as being that person to come in? Now, it's great is that God's word this morning gives us a great example of, of seeing what happens when we walk with those in need and how, yes, the people that the person that was helped was, uh, had their needs met, but so did many, many others. So we're going to be in Mark 2, verses 1 through 12. If you have the Bible here at the church, it's page 1557, 1557. If you have your, your phone and you use the, your app there, that's awesome. If you have your own Bible, Mark 2. Verses 1 through 12. And so as you're turning there, we're going to kind of ask this question that's in your notes. That we could think about maybe sometimes it's obvious when someone's in need, but sometimes it's not. And we all have our own struggles, our own needs. So how, the question here is, how do you define need? How do you define need? And so we're going to look at a couple of different ideas of what need is through our story of Mark 2 together. So I'm going to read the whole passage. So just follow along with me. um, Or if you just want to listen along and close your eyes and envision the scene, you can do that as well. But here's what Mark 2 verses 1 through 12 says. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man, carrying by four, sorry, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know, that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. So as we look at this, we, we ask the question, how do you define need? And if we're looking at the story, the first person that we think about in need automatically is the paralyzed man. And so his need was a need for healing. The need for healing. That he looked and he had a a paralysis and some of your, if you have a a different version of the Bible, it might say the word palsy. Um, But this idea of a a physical ailment that he needed healing for to the point where his friends took him up by the mat and bore his stretcher and walked over and brought him before Jesus. And so their faith was enough that he said, okay, we don't know what to do. We can't do anything on our own, but we can bear this burden. We can walk him to the foot and the feet of Jesus Christ, recognizing that he is the one that can bring healing. He is the one that can bring hope for this man who has had paralyzed, um, who has been paralyzed. But we look at this, and although we would automatically think the healing that was necessary was a healing that was physical because of that story, we see that 
Jesus looked at this paralyzed man and recognized that the deepest healing he needed was not for him to be able to get up and walk. The deepest need, his most felt need, was for his sins to be forgiven. It was a spiritual healing that for some of us, we might ask for other things. We might ask for help. We might ask for healing from from a wound because of our parents. We might ask for a healing um, from a broken relationship. We might ask for a healing of those things. And And God can do those things and will do those things in times. But he still may look and say, but your deeper need is that you still need to forgive and to be forgiven for what you've done. Or you still need to recognize who I am, that I can forgive sins. And so what, let, me, let me be clear. You know, we talk about this idea that, that Jesus provided the physical healing as a sign of the spiritual healing. The spiritual healing came first, and then the physical healing came after. But let me be clear, that doesn't mean that people who have physical ailments or illnesses or diseases or, or conditions, that doesn't mean they lack the spiritual healing, correct? It doesn't mean that, oh, that person, there must be something wrong with that person because they still have this. And this is the same idea we see in John 9. I'm not going to dive into it too long, but, you know, the disciples, when they see the man born blind, they say, God, or Jesus, who, what, you know, who was it? Was it this man's father or parents or he that sinned so that he was born blind? And Jesus just says, nothing. This has happened so that I may be glorified, so that God may be glorified. So let me be clear. People who are struggling with illness or have something really heavy, that doesn't mean They've done anything wrong. But what it does mean is that when we see this story with this man who's struggling with this paralysis or this palsy, what Jesus is saying, your biggest issue, your biggest need for healing is not your legs, but it's your heart. And your son, your sins are forgiven. And so we all have a need for healing, whether it be physical, whether it be emotional, whether it be mental, whether it be spiritual, whether it just be that we need to be forgiven for our sins and we need to call upon the name that is above all names and have him rush to us or we need to rush to him in our brokenness and find our safety in that strong tower. So the first way we define need as we're looking at the paralytic is the need for healing. Now the second one here is the need for humbling. The need for humbling. And for this, we look at the teachers of the law. We look at the facts that they grumbled amongst themselves saying, who is this man to say that he could forgive sins? Only God can do that. He's blaspheming. And so Jesus immediately knows what it is that was bothering them too. He knew that for the paralyzed man, that the most important thing was this, this, phys- uh, this uh, forgiveness, the spiritual healing. And then he knew for the teachers of the law that the biggest thing they needed was to be humble, to recognize that They don't know all the answers. Even though they were the experts, they'd missed the boat. For many of us, it's very easy for us, especially those of us who've who've known the Lord for years, to feel like we are experts. And it's very easy for us, if we're not careful and if we haven't been humbled, to miss the boat. To think that our right answers make us right with God. Rather than the fact that, yes, right answers are important, but if we don't have right faith and right actions that come out of that, then faith without actions is dead. So we look at this idea that many of us, as much as harsh as this may sound, many of us too, including myself, are in the need for humbling sometimes. A need to recognize that the things that we think that they should be, or the way we think things should be, rather, is not always the right way. And we can't close, keep God in our box if he can only act this certain way in this certain time, because he is far bigger and greater than we can even imagine. 
And so the problem is that we can't even often see, just as the teachers of the law couldn't see, we can't often see our own need for humbling. Usually there's got to be some external circumstance or something else that happens that breaks us down, and so we just can't hold on to our pride any longer. William Barclay says this in regards to the healing and the idea that they believed that in order for there to be a healing physically, there had to be a healing spiritually or a forgiveness of sins. And it says, William Barclay says this, on their own, referring to the teachers of the law, on their own stated beliefs, the man could not be cured unless he was forgiven. He was cured, therefore he was forgiven, therefore Jesus' claim to forgive must be true. That the, the sign of a physical healing proved the truth of the spiritual healing of forgiveness. And said another way, R.C.H. Lenski says it this way, the act which the eyes are able to see, the physical healing of get up, take up your mat, and go home. The act which the eyes are able to see verifies the other act which the eyes cannot see. That Jesus, when he's asking, what's easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to tell this man to get up and walk? You know, if you said your sins are forgiven, there's no real way to prove that that has happened or not. Right? Your Your sins are forgiven, but they wouldn't really know. But in order to show the teachers of the law and everyone in attendance that God, through Jesus Christ, has the ability to forgive sins, that Jesus was on the same level of God, not not the Messiah who was going to lead the people because they didn't believe he could forgive sins, but that he is actually on the same level of God by being able to forgive sins. That by doing that, it's verifying and proving the point that his sins have been forgiven And here's how I'll show you. He gets to go and walk and share his story. He goes home to the people who know him best and are able to share the story of a changed life with an encounter of Jesus Christ. And for us, some of the times when we, the people that know us best and have seen where we've been and have seen our levels of brokenness, when we've had our lives redeemed and our lives made new, that we're able to show them how much God has done in our lives and it has an impact on them because they know where we've been and now they know where we are. And the only explanation of the difference in between is Jesus the name that is our strong tower. And so we look at the fact that I wonder what stories there may be in our communities, in our city, in our neighborhood, of lives that could be changed if we answered that call, both to be humbled, but to come alongside people and to show them that the proof of what God has done in our lives is through the miracles that he's done in our lives. So the third point, we talked about the need for healing, talked about the need for humbling, and lastly, we have the need to start honoring God for who he is, not just for what he does for us. The need to start honoring God for who he is, not just for what he does. And for this, we look at the crowd, that earlier in Mark 1, the reason that this place was overcrowded with people was the fact that Jesus had been healing throughout the, the latter part of Mark 1. And so people had heard, oh, Jesus is back. Let's go, let's go see this. And so they go and they want to see something. Maybe they want to be healed. Maybe they want to bring someone to be healed. Or maybe they just want to see something amazing. And they want to watch a healing take place. And so they come in wanting to see what God would do but he wanted to show them who he was. And so I don't know about you, but I remember being in high school and, and taking tests and I would say, Lord, if you could just let me pass this test. No, I didn't study enough, but if you could just help me pass this test, I'll believe you forever. <laughs> or when I, when I was really young and, and I would say, hey, Lord, if you could, I shouldn't say, hey, Lord, that's a little too 
familiar, but Lord, if you would just allow the San Francisco 49ers to beat the Dallas Cowboys, that would just be incredible. And they did, but I don't pray about sports anymore. Um, but maybe it's, maybe it's, Lord, if you could just help me close this deal at work. Lord, if you could just help me and my family to, to be able to be closer to one another. Maybe if you could just, you know, change everybody else, or maybe if you would just change me. And in so doing, we seek God for what he can do for us. But we don't always honor him for what he's already done and who he is. That if our prayer requests are just a litany of uh, supplications or us asking for things, and if our, our prayer requests are a litany of asking without adoration, if it's, if it's purely just supplication, asking God, help me, God, help me, God, help me, and then we close our books or close our journals or turn off our phone that has our prayer request list and we're done, then we're asking God for, to show us who, what he can do for us, not for who he is. That if he's done, if he does nothing else for us in our lives, he has already provided eternal life through the blood of Jesus Christ who lived a perfect life, died a horrible death, and was raised to new life so that you and I can have new life. That he's already done more than we can have ever done on our own. And so he's already done so much. But do we focus enough on who he is and his character and what he's done or just ask him to do more? So, so we, me, us, we need to honor God for who he is, not just for what he does. And so often, the depth of our faith can be traced to the depth of our ability to honor God for his face and what he can do for us. Or sorry, for his face and who he is, not his hands for what he could do for us. Let me repeat that. The depth of our faith can often be traced to the depth of our ability to honor God for his face and who he is, not just his hands and what he could do for us. So we've looked at different types of needs and many of us can find ourselves in one of or multiple or all of those needs. But for us too, we need to start expanding that definition of what need looks like so that we can now be map bearers, stretcher bearers, people who are helping those in need around us. And so we look at this, this question at the next part of your notes is whose faith allowed for these needs to be met? Whose faith allowed for these needs to be met in Mark 2? Because when, when the, the man is lowered down, the man, Jesus doesn't look at the man and say, your faith. He doesn't look at his faith and say, your sins are forgiven. He looks at the friends of the paralytic, the friends of the paralyzed man. So whose faith allowed for these needs to be met? It was the friends of the paralytic. It was the, the ones that came alongside and said, you know, we will take the burden for you. We will walk alongside you in your time of need, whether it be a time of healing, your need for humbling, the need to start honoring God. We can all be in those categories at different points. And so we need to be people that A, ask for help when we're in those moments, but B, that we could be the help for those who are in those moments as well. And so we look at the idea of, uh, we don't need to take all these, you don't need to write all these down, but some of the things that these friends did as we close in the last couple of minutes of our sermon, some of the things that they did, they bore the burden of the man. They literally put him on a mat and they physically carried him. We don't know how far they walked, but they physically carried him and they bore his burden. As Galatians 6, 2 talks about, there's the verse that says, carry one another's burdens and thus fulfilling the law of Christ. That by us being burden bearers or stretcher bearers or mat holders for other people, we're fulfilling the law of Christ because that's what Christ did for us. 
what he did for you, and it's what he did for me, and it's what he did for us. He bore our burden that we could not bear on our own, but he took that upon himself. So these, these, these men, they, they take the four corners, and, and they walk, and they bear his burden. They didn't let anything stop them from bringing him to Jesus. There's a crowd there. Uh, they're, they're, he couldn't walk. Let's put him on a mat. Oh, there's a crowd there. Let's find a roof. Oh, there's a roof there. Let's break through the roof. Let's get our hands dirty. Let's, let's dig out the tiles and dig out the mud and the thatching and let's lower him down. Let's forget about the, the social moorings and the fact that this is a major faux pas, you know, to break someone's house and to be able to bring them to Jesus, that they would not allow, they were, they're willing to break some rules. They were willing to get a little messy. They were willing to be socially awkward a little bit because they knew that social awkwardness does not supersede freedom in Christ that comes when we share the gospel. And they knew, they, in faith, they brought their friend to the one who could heal body and soul. And they didn't let anything stop them. There's a, there's a famous pastor who says that he would do anything short of sin, to be very clear, anything short of sin to bring someone to Jesus. Does that mean being a little socially awkward and being up front with a question? Maybe. Does that mean inviting someone to just, hey, let's read this book together and talk about what it means and have a cup of coffee together and just relationally do that, even though it's busy and there's time, maybe. Maybe it's something where we invite them to church and, and we say that, you know, well, there's excuses, you know, it's too busy or they don't have enough time. Their kids play sports or they're already out of, always out of town or something like that. But we should not let those things stop us from making the ask. Because we can't say people's no for them. That there might be people within our neighborhoods, within our workplaces, within our schools, within our lives that you are the only Jesus they will see. I am the only Jesus they will see. And so far be it from us to allow social awkwardness or to allow circumstances that seem difficult stop us from bringing our friend, from taking their mat, the, holding their stretcher and bringing them to Jesus Christ, the only name above all names, our strong tower, the one to whom the righteous can run and receive safety. And so lastly, I, just, I want you to just take a moment and just think about someone in your life, the Holy Spirit would just be stirring in your heart right now, someone that you know is in need. Whether it's a need for healing, a need for humbling, a need for honoring God for who he is, not just what he does. And wherever they are, they, don't, they may not even see their need yet, but you do. And as you're thinking about that person, what I want to do is read this quotation to close us out from J. Vernon McGee. And this is the challenge he has to us. What we need in the church today is stretcher bearers, men and women with that kind of faith to go out and bring in the unsaved so they can hear the gospel. There are many people today who are paralyzed with a palsy of sin, a palsy of indifference, or a palsy of prejudice. A great many people are not going to come into church where the gospel is preached unless you take a corner of the stretcher and bring them in. That's what these men did. They had the faith to bring this poor man to hear the Lord Jesus, deal with him personally, and say, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. That what we as a church need to be, our burden bearers, our stretcher bearers, our mat holders, our people, maybe we combine, or maybe we have the same group of friends, and we can kind of come together to work and to reach this person and to bring them to Christ. But the question that we want to leave and the last part of your notes is whose stretcher are you bearing? 
Whose stretcher are you bearing? Who's that person that you are going to say, I'm not going to allow difficulty from stop me from helping this person see Jesus, but I'm not going to allow inconveniences or social awkwardness to stop me from bringing this person into a relationship with the one who can heal body and soul. Whose stretcher are you bearing? Now I want to close with uh, going back to Lord of the Rings as we started. That at the end of that moment, when he's saying, Frodo, let's get rid of this ring. Let's get rid of it. I cannot carry it for you, but I can carry you. This is a beautiful picture and illustration of what it looks like to be a burden bearer, what it looks like to be a stretcher bearer, what it looks like to be a mat holder, that it's exhausting, it's tough, it's not easy, and you're just as tired as the other person, but because we have a a Savior who knew sin because of us, he knew no sin on his own, but because of us became sin, that we have a high priest who understands where we are, and that we have such a cloud of witnesses that when we get exhausted, we can fix our eyes on that author and perfecter of our faith, and that we can hold up somebody on our shoulders and pick them up and allow them to be free of the sin that was just holding them back, that they may receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that they may have eternal life and that our neighborhoods would be changed because we're willing to walk with people who are in need. Even when they don't necessarily see it, we can still help them bear it and carry them in the process. And that is the process through which we're able to recognize that we have both been carried through Jesus Christ And then we now get to be like Jesus by carrying the burden for others, by walking with those in need, so that they too may be able to call upon the name of Jesus Christ, that they too may have a right relationship with him, that they too will have hope and prosperity, not physical prosperity, but the peace, the shalom that comes only through knowing God. And that we too have the honor to carry people in their time of need and to walk with them. Not the burden, the honor to bring people to Jesus. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word that is living and active. Lord, we thank you for the the truth that is in your scripture. And God, I pray that as we are in this series, God, that you would be stirring in our hearts. And as we are here this morning and we hear the question, whose stretcher are we bearing, Lord, that you would put a name, a story, a face in our minds, on our hearts. Holy Spirit, that you would open up opportunities for us to reach them. And God, that we would be willing to not allow social awkwardness or uh, a crowd or excuses uh, to be anything that stops us from being like you and carrying burdens. And Lord, may we bring people to your feet. Because it is only at the feet of Jesus that we know true healing True humbling and true honoring God for who he is can really take place. Lord, we love you, and we thank you that you are a firm foundation, and that you are with us always. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we close this morning, I want to make sure we clarify one thing from the sermon, that we talk about this idea that we want to make sure that we are inviting people to church, that, that we would see more people in our services that, that come to know him, that have a right relationship with him. But, but we would be remiss if our idea of reaching people who are in need of 
healing or humbling or honoring God, if that was only us bringing them to church and being invitational. Because the truth of the matter is, is that people are so bombarded with advertisements or invitations or things like that, that if we just hand them a piece of paper, but they've not seen the change in our lives, they're not going to come. So instead of us just being people that are invitational, may we so clearly live out the life, love, and hope of Jesus Christ that they couldn't help but want to know a little bit more about who he is. And so may we not be people that are purely invitational, but may we be people who are incarnational, that are coming in and like Jesus came in the flesh to give us hope, life, and love. May we be Jesus in the flesh, giving hope, life, and love so that those who are in need can find their healing in him, that those who are in need would recognize that his name alone is a strong tower, that those who are in need would recognize that his kingdom will last forever and we want them to be a part of it. And so this morning, may you be blessed. May you go forth. May you be in tune with the Holy Spirit when he stirs up your hearts to reach out to someone, to bear their burden, to bear their stretcher, to carry their mat to the feet of Christ, where only hope and true healing can take place. Thank you all so much for coming. God bless you all, and we'll see you next week as we continue our series.